Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you for tuning in today. Perhaps you're listening over at pathdesign.com or watching the video version right here on YouTube. Thank you for joining us. We invite you to subscribe and share the channel with anyone that you think might be interested. And uh, you can always reach out to us via email at pathdesignpodcast at gmail.com. Um, today, what we're going to talk about, as you've likely already seen in the title for today, who is like Yahweh? A reading of the prophet Micah. And my, what my intention to do today is to actually read the book of Micah <laughs> and uh, just kind of see what the Lord would say to us and speak to us in it, through it, by it. And uh, I'm going to do a little bit of commentary before we actually do the reading. Um, but I do want to just comment real quickly about those of you who have watched and then reached out to us in a response to the last series that we did um, discussing unity of the body and, and the, this, this mystery of the biblical understanding of one and the Echad reality that shows up, of course, for the first time in the Old Testament. And uh, we can follow that pattern all the way out the other side into the new and into the future um, that is yet before us. And so I really enjoyed that that series doing it, recording it, compiling it, and I'm very much enjoying your feedback um, and questions and challenges even. Some, well, a challenge towards something I said that I'm, I'm debating whether or not to address or not, and uh, we may get to that. We may not. Um, I've got several other things in the work. One is a study in the works. I've been doing a study on um, the Old Testament understanding of the function within the temple in regards to incense and the strange fire that we see with the sons of Israel. I don't know, you know, I've got so many things that are just open-ended. I don't know if that's where we'll go next or not. I'm finding it very intriguing, I'm intriguing um, and I'm learning a lot through it. Um, but one thing I wanted to do today, it's snowy here, cold, um, and so I've just kind of been locked up here in the studio doing some reading and just praying and asking the Father what, what he would have me to talk about. Um, to to my own self, to my family, and, and to you, um, anyone that might view this program. And so I landed reading the book of Micah this morning. And, and, and I just gathered some things, some things I knew and some things I'm adding to my understanding about Micah the prophet specifically. So, so let's go ahead and get started and, and get your Bibles out and just open to the book of Micah. Um, because otherwise, if you're not following along, it's probably going to be very boring for you to sit and watch me read the entire book. Now, it's not super long in length. It's seven chapters, um, but it'll take a little bit of time if we do read every verse. Um, I was going to do slideshows and all this and that to post so we can follow along online. Um, I did not do that. So just go ahead and get your Bible out. A little old-fashioned page turning would be good for all of us, I believe. And so let's talk about this prophet for just a couple minutes to kind of set the table of what's what's unfolding in the book of Micah and what he was actually speaking about and, and most importantly, who he was speaking to. Now, Micah in, in, in Hebrew is Michiyahu, and his name means who is like Yahweh, which is, of course, why we titled it that. Who is like Yahweh? Well, we know the answer to that. And ironically enough, we tackled that a lot in the in the series, talking about the mystery of one, this mysterious uh, Elohim of all Elohims. Who in the world is like him? Who can know him? 
Who can understand him and all of his ways? There, there is none. There is none like him. And as I said last time around, I'm okay with that. <laughs> um, Micah first appears in Jeremiah chapter 26, verse 18, where it says, Micah of Moresheth, now this is a place in Judah, he prophesied in the days of Hezekiah, king of Judah. He told all of the people of Judah, quote, This is what Yahweh Elohim Almighty says. Zion will be plowed like a field. Jerusalem will become a heap of rubble. The temple hill will become a mound overgrown with thickets. Okay, so he's a bad guy. He's someone bringing the harsh word of the Lord, which that's what prophets used to be. Um, (laughs) A lot of times today, without getting off on that, we'll spend 10 seconds and we'll come back. But prophecy today is so not biblical prophecy. It's it's fortune-telling. It's we're trying to tell people something that God thinks about them or or something that will encourage them and edify them and I'm not saying it can't be that. Prophecy is a complex thing, but the Old Testament prophets functions for the most part were to declare a a, a warning and a reprimand, a reproof, a reproach primarily to Yahweh's people. It was specific to his people. <laughs> um, now, now back to, to Micah specifically. He would have been a prophetic contemporary of Isaiah. Pretty good company to hang out with. Um, he, was, he would have been in place, Micah, preceding and during King Hezekiah's reign. Now, because of this, a lot of the prophecies within this book reveal the condition of the people at the time. Um, the, that you know, A lot of us who, who if, if you've watched this program at all, you know that that kind of my my ancient way entry was through the account of King Hezekiah and, and studying his life and, and what he did and I don't know I'd read it countless times throughout my life um, but when I read it um, I don't know three years ago four now it just something changed in me something was different and and I found some of my identity I would like to say there in King Hezekiah's um, intolerance of, of the way things had become, of, of the, 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 the condition of Yahweh's people in the sanctuary was, was profaned, and no one was doing their functions. Everything was full of idolatry. The, the people were, were stiff-necked and hard-hearted. The priesthood was scattered throughout just normal, mundane um, functions of life, not performing their duties, and he came in Wait, I would say, my translation in my head is he was waiting to become king so that he could make things right. So that he could say, we are implementing Yahweh's ways again in the land. And he did that, of course. I love it. And so it, it would have been this time period that, that Micah is prophesying the condition of the people. Um, now, he begins the book revealing that Israel was, was in a horrible apostate condition. He predicted the fall of Samaria, the, the capital and he, he foretold the, what would be the inevitable desolation of Judah and, and its downfall. Um, now, one of the most notable prophecies, uh, some people know this, and I'm still surprised at how many do not. I didn't know this until I was probably, shoot, I don't know, 30 years old, maybe? Um, about the Tower of the Flock, Migdal Edar. Uh, until a brother showed me, he told me, he said, look into Tower of the Flock, Joel in Magdal Dar, in, in the, the true understanding of Bethlehem, and, and the beauty and significance of, of Messiah's arrival 
because, of course, I was raised just general Christian upbringing where, you know, he was nobody wanted him and he was in a dirty stable with donkeys and cows and wrapped up in swaddling clothes. Well, I didn't know until then, studying that out years ago, what that even was. And he was just a rejected nobody of a baby that was just discarded in a dirty stable somewhere because there was no room in the inn. <laughs> and so, man, that was a real revelation when this brother said, look into that, because he knew I was a, uh, a guy who wanted to know truth uh, the best I knew it. And so I remember studying out the, the beauty of the, the set-apart sacrificial lambs at Magdal Dar, the Tower of the Flock, and and how they were, they were wrapped up in this beautiful swaddling cloth and, and preserved and kept and marked and ble- unblemished, beautiful lambs uh, that were, were grown there for this, the beautiful sacrifice. And when I started seeing, oh my gosh, that's how Messiah came. He wasn't just some rejected guy that nobody wanted, and so throw him in the lowly, dirty stable. Nobody wants baby Jesus. I say that all the time. But that account shows up here in Micah. And that's a pretty big deal um, to point to the beauty of fathers ushering in the Emmanuel reality. Now, Micah presents many things that res- resonate with me personally. Um, he stresses that Yahweh hates idolatry. He hates mixing. He hates injustice, rebellion, and even empty rituals. He, he wants the heart of men. He, he does now, and he did then. He always has been about the heart condition of man. Um, But the prophet also equally makes it clear that Yahweh delights in in pardoning the repentant ones um, that that come to him as he prescribes. And that's why when I read the prophets, I'm just like, I want to be, (laughs) I want to be so, I want to be like that. I I want to be a man who says, look, this isn't, and I feel like we do that in, in, in a very low measure on the program. I don't care what your opinion is. I don't care what my opinion is. This says this, and we must do it. <laughs> and it's such a great simplifier, but it is a very harsh word, and I understand that. It really, really is. And so he tells the people that this is how you come to Yahweh, like this, and you're not doing it. You're a rebellious people. Now, the book itself is only, as we already alluded to, it's only seven chapters long, and it kind of culminates with this description of Zion, which is, of course, has great meaning here as we are the path to Zion. And we're trying to rediscover that ancient way to that end. Now, there's a clear pattern throughout the book. Um, number one is judgment. Judgment is a, is a repeated pattern. And then number two, restoration. Okay, so judgment and restoration. And then basically put those two on repeat, the whole book. And there you have the book of Micah. <laughs> now, I want to say this before we get started. I want us to pay attention to the use of the word here, H-E-A-R. Um, we see it throughout the entire book. And those of you who know Hebrew know the significance of this word, Shema. We talked about it again in the last series. This is interesting how these things all seemingly fall into line. Um, Shema, of course, the Hebrew word, if you didn't watch the last episode, uh, the last series, or if you just don't know that, it's much more than just a, a hearing. Um, it's more than like auditory perception. Yes, okay, I heard you. You know, we hear a lot of things, but that is not what the Hebrew um, usage of that word would have intended. 
Um, rather, it's much more active. We talked about it in the last series. Shema Israel, um, Yahweh, your your Elohim is one. In fact, it's all over Deuteronomy. Um, I put some of these in here because it's very significant, and I'll tell you why in just a moment. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6. And again, we're talking about this word here, H-E-A-R, and its importance because it pops up all over the prophet's warnings and declarations to Yahweh's people. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that Yahweh, your Elohim, commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you're going over to possess it. That you may fear Yahweh your Elohim, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all of his statutes and all of his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, that your days may be long. Hear, Shema, therefore, Israel, be careful to do these things that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as Yahweh, the Elohim of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Again, Shema is in there several times. Now now let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 12. Again, this is going to make sense in, in just a moment. If you hearken to these rulings, if you Shema, and keep and do them, some versions say because you Shema and do these things, Yahweh your Elohim will keep with you the covenant and the steadfast love that he swore to your fathers. He will love you, bless you, multiply you. He will also bless the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground. He will bless your grain, your wine, your oil, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock, and in the land that he swore to your fathers to give you. You shall be blessed above all peoples. Again, if you, Shema, hear, listen, hearken yourself to what? To his rulings and do them. Okay? Now, why does this matter? Because I would say, because of the, the two-house understanding that I shared last time, I'm just beginning to, to come into and, and grasp on any elementary level, we did not do this. Israel did not do this, and that's why we're synonymous in that sense. We were rebellious, hard-hearted, stiff-necked, as were they. They did not keep the covenant. So they were divorced and put out. Again, we don't have time to go into all that. But that's why these things matter. So why do I mention this specifically? Because the prophet of the Most High, Micah, absolutely knew all of this stuff in Deuteronomy and was proclaiming, thus says Yahweh your Elohim. Why? (laughs) In order to call his people back to what? His right rulings, to his justice, to his law. He was saying, you have become a lawless people, a foolish generation, a rebellious, all these adjectives we could use that are, again, applicable then and applicable now to his people. He was calling them back. Again, what do we say? Judgment, restoration. There is a way back. Like I always reference Cain, if he would have lifted his countenance and returned unto the Father in humility and repentance and teshuvah from his heart, he would have been spared what happened to him. He would have been delivered. He would have been shown mercy and compassion. It is the same for us today. If we submit to the Father's right rulings, little has changed. <laughs> little has changed. Now, now 6 verse 8 um, here in Micah. Let's, let's read this because we have to make this connection before we read the text. 
Yahweh has told you, O man, what is good. What is tov? Remember we talked about tov? What is good? Okay? If you're following these these different uh, episodes, you'll know where we've been. He has told you what is tov, what is good. Okay, when, when? When did he tell? Deuteronomy, his right rulings, his commandments, his ways. He has given us a prescribed way. The prophet is doing what they always did, calling people back to the Father's ways. It goes on, continuing in verse 8 of Micah 6. What does Yahweh require of you? Does he require anything of us today? We've got to answer that question in this New Testament grace-fueled church. Do we have to do anything today? Not to earn salvation? No, we're not talking about earning it. That's through the blood of Yeshua Messiah alone. But what then? That's what we always talk about here. Well, what now? What do we do? How do we live? What is our code of living now as Christmen? Continuing on, do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your Elohim. Okay, so so what about that? Most most commentators that, that understand the perpetuity of Yahweh's ways and laws would, would tell you that this summarizes Torah. This is this is what's Tov. This and we'll read it again later, but that's do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with Yahweh. That's a pretty simple summary. We, I would say, as I always say on the program, are today's version of Yahweh's people. And we, too, on this side of Emmanuel, have forgotten our identity. We have been just like Israel that the warning came to through the prophet Micah. We have forgotten our identity. Or worse, I would say, for the Christian church that I've known that was my my understanding for the majority of my life, I've never known. I had never known my identity. I was just a, a Christ man. I was a born-again Christian. But instead, within Micah, we see the exact same pattern with Israel repeated in our age over and over and over again. And this is why we must understand that we are not somehow some, some new church post-Acts 2, where there was no church, and now there's a church. That We've got to get that out of our minds. That Yahweh did not start over with a new religion. He did not do that. Rather, we are the people of Yahweh. Now, um, even had a, a viewer comment um, something with me for me to look into in regards to the, to the word and the origin of the word um, church. And some very questionable things I'm finding studying that out about how that's really been misappropriately used, the ecclesia understanding, um, that we need to be careful what we're saying when we reference Yahweh's people. But that's for another day. Um, so we, the people of Yahweh, living on this side of Messiah Yeshua, who came back to what? To, to buy back, if you will, to purchase a bride in order to present a redeemed and betrothed people back to his father. He wants to present a people worthy of being received by the Father because we were divorced and put out. He made a way for what? For us to return in repentance and enter into his covenantal promises, demands, requirements. Boy, we don't like that word. Any of those words right there in the Christian church, requirements, demands, what? I just want the promises. What about the blessing? 
Read Psalms and read the blessings. Read Deuteronomy and read the blessings. Those apply to us. Okay. But again, now this is for those who will. And if you hearken and Shema and keep and do them, this is what Yahweh covenantally chooses and agrees to do on behalf of those. We've got to acknowledge, Christian church, that we have asked to receive all the covenantal blessings of Israel, but have, have no requirement or demand upon us. Somehow the blood of Jesus replaced our demand to respond on the other side of our salvation to live out Yahweh's right rulings. We have, we have really, replacement theology has done some major damage to the kingdom of Yahweh Elohim, I would say. Because we know this, we say it all the time, Yeshua said, If you love me, keep my commands. If you do, if you love me, that's how you show me. You keep my commands. And his commands were not different than the Father's. He had no new agenda, no new idea. He spoke the Father's words, period. And that's what Micah is always pointing to. This is about the Father's commands and ways and right rulings, period. This is not about your own ways, your own opinions. And even Yeshua himself, as the suffering servant, lowered himself to only do what the Father told him to do. No new ideas. No new religion to implement. So I would submit that and one more thing and then we'll read the text. I think this is why Father led me here today. Um, to read the admonitions of an ancient prophet who, de who declared the, the word of Yahweh to a specific people and then to us. That's my submission in, in the here and now. It's an ancient call to repent and to return. And friends, that is undeniably for us today. I don't care where we are with dispensations and ages and epochs and covenants and all these things. One thing we have got to agree on is that we are a rebellious people who do not know what pleases the Father. We are a, a, in a, the fulfillment of the prophecy, which is law, lawless ones. Lawless ones. <laughs> that's what the end of the age is all about. It's, it's the world. Yes, that's easy. But the, the, the Word of God is talking about the church. Here I am with the church again. The called out, set apart, holy believers. That's who these warnings are for. The lawless ones within the people of Yahweh Elohim who believe what? It doesn't matter. God's good. He loves me. And he gives me blessing and favor. The end. No, friends. This is an ancient call to repent and to return, which is absolutely applicable to us today. And do not be fooled that this is just something that was for Israel. Oh, those hard-hearted Israelis. Those Israelite people were such stubborn, stiff-necked ones. I'm glad we're not like that. How many messages, messages have we all heard throughout our Christian life of just the hard-hearted Israelites? Whew. Boy, they deserve God's wrath. <laughs> Friends, we're worse. We're worse. <laughs> so, so please listen as we read this to, to what Holy Spirit might say. And what is still resounding throughout the ages now, a call to return to Yahweh and his right ruling. So, so to, to get right to the text, and I'm just going to read it again. Follow along or just put on your, your earbuds and do some chores around the house. Who is like Yahweh? Who is like him? Michayahu, 
Micah the prophet. So let's read. The word of Yahweh Elohim, which came to Micah of Moresheth in the days of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, which he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. Hear, O peoples, all of you, listen, O earth, and all it contains, and let Yahweh your Elohim be a witness against you. He is from his holy temple. For behold, Yahweh is coming forth from his place. He will come down and tread on the high places of the earth. The mountains will melt under him, and the valleys will be split. Like wax before the fire, like water poured down a steep place, all this is for the rebellion of Jacob and for the sins of the house of Israel. What is the rebellion of Jacob? Is it not Samaria? What is the high place of Judah? Is it not Jerusalem? For I will make Samaria a heap of ruins in the open country, planting places for a vineyard. I will pour her stones down into the valley and will lay bare her foundations. All of her idols will be smashed. All of her earrings will be burned with fire. And all of her images I will make desolate. For she collected them from a harlot's earrings, and to the earrings of a harlot they will return. Because of this, I must lament and wail. I must go barefoot. I must go naked. I must make a lament like the jackals, and a mourning like the ostriches, for her wound is incurable. It has come to Judah. It has reached the gate of my people, even to Jerusalem. Tell it not in Gath. Weep not at all. At Beth Leephra, roll yourself in the dust. Go on your way, inhabitant of Shafir, in shameful nakedness. The inhabitant of Zainan does not escape. The lamentation of Bethazel, he will take from you its support. For the inhabitant of Meroth become, becomes weak, waiting for good, because a calamity has come down from Yahweh to the gate of Jerusalem. Harness the chariot to the team of horses, O inhabitant of Lachish. She was the beginning of sin to the daughter of Zion, because in you were found the rebellious acts of Israel. Therefore you will give parting gifts on behalf of Moresheth Gath. The houses of Achzeb will become a, de a deception to the kings of Israel. Moreover, I will bring on you the one who takes possession, O inhabitants of Merishah. The glory of Israel will enter Adullam. Make yourself bald and cut off your hair because of the children of your delight. Extend your baldness like the eagle, for they will go from you into exile. Chapter 2. Woe to those who scheme iniquity, who work out evil on their beds. When morning comes, they do it, for it is in the power of their hands. They covet fields, and then they seize them, houses, and take them away. They rob a man and his house, a man and his inheritance. Therefore, thus says Yahweh Elohim, Behold, I am planning against this family a calamity from which you cannot remove your necks, and you will not walk haughtily, for it will be an evil time. On that day they will take up against you a taunt, and utter a bitter lamentation, and say, We are completely destroyed. He exchanges the portion of my people, how he removes it from me. To the apostate he apportions our fields. Therefore you will have no one stretching a measuring line for you by lot in the assembly of the Lord. Do not speak out so they speak out. 
But if they do not speak out concerning these things, reproaches will not be turned back. Is it being said, O house of Jacob, is the spirit of Yahweh Elohim impatient? Are these his doings? Do not my words do good to the one walking uprightly? Recently my people have arisen as an enemy. You stripped the robe off of the garment from unsuspecting passers-by, from those returned from war. The women of my people you evict, each one from her pleasant house. From her children you take my splendor forever. Real quick, before we go into verse 10, this is just displaying a very harsh time of injustice, of literally just playing out how they mistreat people at every turn. They rob, they steal, they're a violent people, they are full of deception. And Yahweh is not pleased. Verse 10 of chapter 2. Arise and go, for there is no place of rest because of the uncleanness that brings on destruction, a painful destruction. If a man walking after wind and falsehood had told lies and said, I will speak out to you concerning wine and liquor, he would be spokesman to this people. I will surely assemble all of you, Jacob, and I will surely gather the remnant of Israel. I will put them together like sheep in the fold, like a flock in the midst of its pasture. They will be noisy with men. The breaker goes up before them. They break out and pass through the gate and go by it. So their king goes on before them, and Yahweh at their head. And I said, Hear now, heads of Jacob, rulers of the house of Israel. This is chapter 3. Is it not for you to know justice? You who hate good and love evil, who tear off their skin from them and their flesh from their bones, and who eat the flesh of my people, strip off their skin from them, break their bones, and chop them up as for the pot and as meat in a kettle? Then they will cry out to the Lord, but he will not answer them. Instead, he will hide his face from them at that time. Why? <laughs> I added the why. Because they have practiced evil deeds. Thus says Yahweh concerning the prophets, who lead my people astray. When they have something to bite with their teeth, they cry, Peace! But against him who puts nothing in their mouths, they declare holy war. Therefore, it will be night for you without vision, darkness for you without divination. The sun will go down on the prophets, and the day will become dark over them. The seers will be ashamed. The diviners will be embarrassed. Indeed, they will all cover their mouths because there is no answer from Yahweh. On the other hand, I am filled with power with the Spirit of the Lord and with justice and courage to make known to Jacob his rebellious act even to Israel his sin. Now hear this, heads of the house of Jacob, rulers of the house of Israel, who abhor justice and twist everything that is straight, who build Zion with bloodshed and Jerusalem with violent injustice. Her leaders pronounce judgment for a bribe. Her priests instruct for a price. Her prophets divine for money. Yet they lean on Yahweh, saying... Is not Yahweh in our midst? We could hit pause right here. And this absolutely is modern-day Christianity. Absolutely, the last four verses. <sighs> Calamity will not come upon us, is what they say. Therefore, on account of you, Zion will be plowed as a fi <coughs> field. Excuse me. 
Jerusalem will become a heap of ruins, and the mountain of the temple will become high places of a forest. And it will come about in the last days that the mountain of the house of Yahweh will be established as the chief of the mountains. It will be raised above the hills. Now we're moving into uh, chapter 4. Peoples will stream to it. Many nations will come, and they will say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of Yahweh into the house of Yahweh Elohim of Jacob. He may teach us about his ways, that we may walk in his paths. For from Zion will go forth the law, even the word of Yahweh from Jerusalem. And he will judge between many peoples. He will render decisions for mighty distant nations. Then they will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will no longer lift up sword against nation and never again will they train for war. This is a time of peace coming to the earth. Each of them will sit under his vine and under his fig tree with no one to make them afraid. For the mouth of Yahweh of hosts has spoken through all the, excuse me, though all the peoples walk, each in the name of his own God, his own Elohim. As for us, we will walk in the name of Yahweh, our Elohim, forever and ever. I'd like to read those two again. Though all the peoples walk, each in the name of his own God, as for us, we will walk in the name of of Yahweh our Elohim forever and ever. Verse 6 of chapter 4. In that day, declares Yahweh, I will assemble the lame. I will gather the outcasts, even those whom I have afflicted. I will make the lame a remnant, and the outcasts will become a strong nation. And Yahweh will reign over them in Mount Zion from now on and forever. And as for you, tower of the flock, hill of the daughter of Zion, to you it will come, even the former dominion will come, the kingdom of the daughter of Jerusalem. Now why do you cry out loudly? Is there no king among you, or has your counselor perished? That agony has gripped you like a woman in childbirth? Writhe and labor to give birth, O daughter of Zion, like a woman in childbirth. From now you will go out of the city, dwell in the field, and go to Babylon. There you will be rescued. For Yahweh will redeem you from the hand of your enemies, and now many nations have been assembled against you. And they say, Let her be polluted. Let our eyes gloat over Zion. But they do not know the thoughts of Yahweh. They do not understand his purpose. He has gathered them like sheaves to the threshing floor. Arise and thresh, daughter of Zion. For your horn I will make iron, and your hooves I will make bronze that you may pulverize many peoples, that you may devote to Yahweh their unjust gain and their wealth to Yahweh of all the earth, the Elohim of all the earth. Chapter 5. Now, muster yourselves in troops, daughter of troops. They have laid siege against us. With a rod they will smite the judge of Israel on the cheek. But as for you, Bethlehem, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you, capital 101, from you one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Therefore he will give them up until the time when she who is in labor has borne a child. 
Then the remainder of his brethren, he will return to the sons of Israel. And he will arise and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of Yahweh, his Elohim. And they will remain, because at that time he will be great to the ends of the earth. And this one, capital O, will be our peace. When the Assyrian invades our land, when he tramples on our citadels, then we will raise against him seven shepherds and eight leaders of men. And they will shepherd the land of Assyria with the sword, the land of Nimrod at its entrances, and he will deliver us from the Assyrian when he attacks our land and when he tramples our territory. Then the remnant of Jacob will be among many peoples, like dew from the Lord, like showers on vegetation, which do not wait for man or delay for the sons of men. And the remnant of Jacob will be among the nations, among many peoples, like a lion among the beasts of the forest, like a young lion among flocks of sheep, which, if he passes through, tramples down and tears, and there is none to rescue. Your hand will be lifted up against your adversaries, and all your enemies will be cut off. And it will be in that day, declares Yahweh, that I will cut off your horses from among you and destroy your chariots, and I will cut off the cities of your land, and I will tear down all of your fortifications. I will cut off sorceries from your hand, and you will have fortune tellers no more. I will cut off your carved images and your sacred pillars from among you, so that you will no longer bow down to the work of your own hands. I will root out your ashram from among you and destroy your cities, and I will execute, execute vengeance and anger and wrath on the nations which have not obeyed. There is a reckoning, there is a judgment that, that Yahweh has got to do to clean up his house, to clean up his people in order to give us an opportunity to acknowledge the judgment that comes to the house and fall on our knees and repent and say, yes and amen, this has been our identity. And we, we choose to turn our hearts away from our idolatry and see that this is your hand, Father, because you love us and you want to call us back, but you have got to bring judgment to us in order for that to come. We must respond rightly in humility. Chapter 6. Hear now what the Lord is saying. Arise, plead your case before the mountains. Let the hills hear your voice. Listen, you mountains, to the indictment of Yahweh and you enduring foundations of the earth. Because Yahweh has a case against his people, even with Israel he will dispute. My people, what have I done to you? How have I wearied you? Answer me. Indeed, I brought you up from the land of Egypt and ransomed you from the house of slavery, and I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. My people, remember now what Balak king of Moab counseled, and what Balaam son of Baor answered him, and from Shittim to Gilgal, in order that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. Verse 6. With what shall I come to Yahweh, and bow myself before him, the one on high? Shall I come to him with burnt offerings, with yearling calves? Does he delight in thousands of rams and ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I present my firstborn for my rebellious acts, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? 
He has told you, O man, what is good, what is tov. And what does Yahweh require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your Elohim? The voice of the Lord will call to the city, and it is sound wisdom to fear your name. Hear, O tribe, who has appointed its time? Is there yet a man in the wicked house, along with the treasures of wickedness and a short measure that is cursed? Can I justify wicked scales and a bag of deceptive weights? For the rich men of the city are full of violence. Her residents speak lies, and their tongue is deceitful in their mouth. So also I will make you sick, striking you down, desolating you because of your sins. You will eat, but you will not be satisfied. Your vileness will be in your midst, and you will try to remove for safekeeping, but you will not preserve anything. And what you do preserve, I will give to the sword. You will sow, but you will not reap. You will tread the olive, but will not anoint yourself with oil. And to the grapes and the grapes, but you will not drink wine. The statutes of Omri and all the works of the house of Ahab are observed, and in their devices you walk. Therefore I will give you up for destruction, and your inhabitants for derision, and you will bear the reproach of my people. Chapter 7. Woe is me! This is the prophet Micah acknowledging his condition. He, The prophets of old, the prophets of old. Let me take a drink of coffee. The prophets of old understood the people concept. When they cried out in repentance, they understood it. They got the, 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 the rebellious of the house, the, rebellion, the rebelliousness, the rebellion of the house as a whole, the rebellion of the nation. They understood the inclusiveness that they themselves were in, and they would often, time and time again, the true prophets will cry out and not say, they, 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 they say, we, or I. They understand themselves that they are within the problem. And they cry out because, again, this goes back to the, the leaving behind the, 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 the goyim understanding, the, the, the Gentile and even nowadays the Western culture thinking where everything is about me. This is all about my individual salvation. This is all about my individual condition. This is all about my right standing between me and God. How many times have I heard in my life, it's not about this. Every single thing is only about this. That is not biblically accurate, friends. That is not true. That is not true. That is such a selfish mindset that has got to be extracted from the body of Messiah in this age, in our hour. The prophets understood that. They would cry out from a we perspective. Forgive us. Forgive me. Wash me. Wash us. Uh, It was understood that this is more about if this is about much more than just an individual person this is about Yahweh's house okay his capital P people so in that mindset Micah continues to close out the the book in chapter 7 woe is me for I am like the fruit pickers and the grape gatherers there is not a cluster of grapes to eat or a first ripe fig which I crave the godly person has perished from the land and there is no upright person among men All of them lie in wait for bloodshed. 
Each of them hunts the other with a net. Concerning evil, both hands do it well. The prince asks also the judge for a bribe, and a great man speaks the desire of his soul, so they weave it together. The best of them is like a briar, the most upright is like a thorn hedge. The day when you post a watchman, your punishment will come. Then the confusion will occur. Do not trust in a neighbor. Don't have confidence in a friend. From her who lies in your bosom, guard your lips, for son treats father contemptuously. Daughter rises up against her mother, daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies are the men of his own household. <laughs> this is a sad, sad condition. Again, not much unlike today. Chapter 7, verse 7. But as for me, he's setting his heart, as for me, I will watch expectantly for Yahweh. I will wait for the Elohim of my salvation. My Elohim will hear me. Do not rejoice over me, O my enemy. Though I fall, I will rise. Though I dwell in darkness, Yahweh is a light for me. I will bear his indignation. Why? Because I have sinned against him. Until he pleads my case and executes, executes justice for me. He will bring me out to the light, and I will see his righteousness. Then my enemy will see. Shame will cover her who said to me, Where is the Elohim? Where is Yahweh your Elohim? My eyes will look on her. At that time she will be trampled down like mire of the streets, and it will be a day for building your walls. On that day will your boundary be extended. It will be a day when they will come to you from Assyria and the cities of Egypt. From Egypt even to the Euphrates, even from sea to sea and mountain to mountain, and the earth will become desolate because of her inhabitants, on account of the fruit of their deeds. Shepherd your people with your scepter, the flock of your possession which dwells by itself in the woodland, in the midst of a fruitful field. Let them feed in Bashan and Gilead as in the days of old. And as in the days when you came out from the land of Egypt, I will show you miracles. Nations will see and be ashamed of all their might. They will put their hand on their mouth. Their ears will be deaf. They will lick the dust like a serpent, like reptiles of the earth. They will come trembling out of their fortresses. To Yahweh our Elohim, they will come in dread, and they will be afraid before you. Who is an Elohim like you? who pardons iniquity, and who passes over the rebellious act of the remnant of his possession. He does not retain his anger forever, because he delights in unchanging love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. Yes, you will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. You will give truth to Jacob and unchanging love to Abraham which you did swear to our forefathers from the days of old. Friends, let us get the theme of this as we just quickly bring this to a close and let the word of God speak for itself. Judgment, restoration. Judgment, restoration. Judgment, restoration. Friends, judgment has got to come to the house of Yahweh Elohim right now. It's got to come. And we've got to be like the prophet, postured to receive it and hit the floor in a heart of repentance, to say yes and amen, this has been, this has been our identity. 
We have forgotten your right rulings, Father. We have forgotten your ways. We've become a lawless people. We have gone our own way, and we've, in the scattering of the nations, we've just adopted everything that the Goyim do. Our, our closets are full of idols. But praise you, Father, for the end of chapter 7. Who is like him? Who pardons iniquity? He passes over the rebellious acts of a remnant of his possession. Friend, argue his possession. Do you even know what that means? His inheritance. Do you even know? Do we understand in any way what is his inheritance? How have we been purchased by him? Are we just washed in the blood of Jesus and all of a sudden, poof, we come out? A perfected people? A set-apart royal priesthood nation? Because just we do nothing? There's no rules, there's no regulations, there's no right rulings. We just do the best we can. Friends, doing that leads us to all these things that brought displeasure to the Father. You have forgotten my ways. You have forgotten my rulings. But the prophet makes it clear at the end and the culmination of his book, of, his, of his, this short book, he will again have compassion on us when we are not deserving of it in any possible way. Friends, let's make sure that we have not been duped to believe that somehow we deserve this grace and mercy that we have been extended today. We deserve nothing. And that's what keeps us in the first love reality, is staying postured in our heart for the rest of our days. I say this a lot. I heard it 30 years ago. A man who repents... Is, is defined by a man. A man who repented one time is defined by a man still repenting today. If you were truly repentant at your, at your point of regeneration, new creation reality, what Yeshua was trying to explain to Nicodemus about this born-again mystery, if you were truly, truly, truly repentant then, you will still be repentant and repenting today. That has got to be what we live according to. So the prophet Micah, whose name means who in the world is like Yahweh, may we get the theme within this book and just solidify it in us. We have been an idolatrous, prostituted people who have abandoned Father's covenantal ways. But because of all these things he culminates his writings with, there is hope for us to come back in, but only via his prescribed way to be found as a marked, holy, consecrated, identifiable people of Yahweh Elohim. So, friends, I hope you're pursuing that with all that you have. Thank you so much for watching. Reach out to us. Continue to do that. Thank you for those of you who are emailing us or even messaging us on Facebook. Find us there at Path Design Podcast or email us at pathdesignpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for watching. We'll see you next time. Amen.